0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We will get you dialed into everything that went on in a very busy and not so successful weekend for the Toronto Rock. Uh, We'll also welcome uh, Toronto Rock captain Brody Merrill. We'll also stop by on the program today, and who knows? Maybe we'll even have another guest at some point. We don't know yet. We don't know. Everything's very fluid. So uh, KD, obviously a weekend in which the Toronto Rock uh, had an opportunity to really put themselves in a great position with a couple of wins or or even a split realistically, I think especially if they could have got the Sunday game against New England. But uh, things pretty much go uh, as bad as they possibly can, really, for the Rock with the two losses. Let's start off with Friday, Vancouver, a 14-11 loss. Uh, your general thoughts on the game, first of all, or even just the weekend.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, to put a word on it, disappointing, uh, in terms of, like you mentioned, uh, great opportunity in front of them, to put a stranglehold on a playoff spot, really, you know, get, get a bit of separation there on second. Uh, in the Eastern Conference there and you know specifically the Vancouver game we talked about it after how how dominant I thought they were in Toronto versus Vancouver to go in there to be leading at half I just thought you know it'd be a perfect opportunity to come out you're you're two two periods away from really giving it to Vancouver twice now um, obviously they made some adjustments you know they came out they rallied off a bunch of goals in a row there and got back into it and I didn't see that coming. To be honest, we talked on yeah. the podcast here last week that I thought, I, I think I, in the prediction I had it by six, six goals Toronto <laughs> yeah. wins or five or six goals <laughs> Toronto wins. So, I mean, but overall disappointing weekend. I think not to get a strangle or not to get like you said a split, especially when it comes with New England. Now you've, you've lost a tiebreaker with New England overall in the season series. I mean, with them beating you and the Vancouver loss, they're right there now. What I think they're half game back of us for second it just really makes anything you know the potential for it to be a clear a little more clear i guess it's actually gotten a lot muddier yeah in in the east there so
0: and talking about that game on friday against vancouver 6-3 lead at the half um you know vancouver ends up outscoring toronto 6-4 in the third quarter but i thought the most interesting point in the game was when vancouver was able to tie the score at seven toronto goes out scores three goals to to go up 10-7 and you think okay like you know the the foot's on the throat here this is over especially going off what we saw the week before in toronto and the 13-7 win like you mentioned but for some reason you know a 6-1 run here and suddenly you know the rocker uh, in or sorry a seven goal run in that game 6-1 run uh on sunday but a seven goal run And, you know, suddenly, you know, you're, you're back on your heels and you're, you're almost, uh, you're the one with uh, feeling the foot on your throat there in the, in the late part of that game. And I, I just don't know. I mean, there was, uh, you know, some, some decent scoring efforts, I guess, mostly on the part of Tom Schreiber, uh, on Friday night, but overall the offense just wasn't able to get it done when needed. You know, the extra goal comes late kind of, uh, in garbage time a little bit, uh, you know for uh, for Schreiber there to break up the run but it was uh, obviously too a little too late and um i i don't know Rosie wasn't uh wasn't great but he wasn't bad you know i think he was somewhere in the middle there so that was one of those games where you talk about something slipping away and and maybe you know maybe you wish the game the week before was a little bit closer right because i think some of that has to enter as a player and you can speak to this if you're if you've just dusted a team the week before at home and even the 13-7 score was maybe even flattering you play them a week later and you know you get up on them 10-7 after you think they've had their bit of a surge coming out of the half they tie things up you know you you, you know you take another pretty substantial lead three another three goal lead in the second half and you think they're probably done.
1: Yeah for sure and I mean I can attest to it, it as much as you don't want that to be the case it's just natural human instinct and uh i mean they are professional athletes though and you could look at it as the other side though like hey we just smacked these guys at home you got to be expecting a better effort from them right going back to their home barn um yeah. and then wanting to redeem themselves and you know it's not like we already talked about it they're they're fighting for a playoff life too right so this game meant even though it's a you know different division still meant the world to them. They needed that win just as bad as, you know, the next team. But, uh, yeah, especially go up 10-7, you would be thinking that the mentality would be, okay. Yeah. You know, they, they had their push, 7-7. We're up 10-7, though, now let's roll. Or You don't want to say take the foot off the gas, though, but still lots of lacrosse, and, and we all know in this game how, how quickly things can turn, but uh, unfortunately, you know, seven in a row like like you mentioned and i guess I, I was wondering like when you get caught in like they're rolling like that seven in a row like, what do you look what do you look obviously you need the offense to stop it or you need the d to make a st- like to to just counter that but is it a timeout is it a fight is it like something has to happen to kind of try and get that momentum back right and unfortunately i mean it couldn't have it nothing happened essentially yeah. seven goals later, right?
0: And it'll be interesting once we get Brody Merrill in here to talk to him about just that and just what was what was the mood as the goals were starting to pile up in the wrong direction and, uh, you know, what, what can you do in that situation to to stop a run like that and, and just how that game uh, literally kind of felt like slipped away in, yeah. in terms of especially what we saw the week before. And this isn't a knock against Vancouver at all, but, you know... S- seeing what we saw the week before it to me that was very off the radar what happened there in the in the second half and and not only that you know in the late uh you know where did I make my notes here 5-12 left in the third the Rock were up 10-7 so there's 20 minutes of lacrosse to play and the Rock are up 10-7 after just beating them 13-7 to rather handily um, and I mean Vancouver at home it's not like you're coming into a building where they've been great they've only won one game there this year this is only their second win at home. I think the first time uh, Vancouver has beaten the Rocks since the Stealth moved to Vancouver as well. So it there wasn't really any reason to expect what happened over the 20 minute, last 20 minutes of the game to happen, but um, you know, we can uh, we can beat that one to death here or or we can move on to Sunday and and also another very strange game, a 15-14 win for the New England Black Wolves. Uh, it ends up being an empty net goal that stands up as the winner. Uh, Brandon Miller gets credited with the loss, and this was something I, I looked into earlier this week with the league statistician was just deter- how, the, how the goaltender of record was determined in this situation. And in the NLL, the rule is whoever's in net for the eventual game-winning goal. Well, the eventual game-winning goal was an empty netter. So they, the, the league ruling was that the goaltender last in net you know, would be the one that ends up being responsible for allowing that goal, even though he never did. So, um, so there you go. If people were wondering why Miller was credited with the loss, especially that he came into the game while the Rock were trailing, Rock never took the lead, never tied the game, yada yada. But speaking of tied, this is another game that was tied seven seven in the third quarter, and and you know, New England then goes on a six one run. So, um, I, again, a little bit of a, su- a surprise, but. If there was a game when the Rock were going to potentially run out of gas in the second half, I would have thought it would be more what we saw in New England on Sunday rather than what we saw on Friday.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I guess, you know, curious to get another perspective on when that six run starts happening again and and the Friday night being so fresh, what that mentality is like. Is it deja vu, like here we go again? or um, It's unfortunate, but to be, and again, I didn't think, New England, Toronto, the game here was that great in terms of execution and I think both teams would maybe admit that as much as it was, you know, on paper a tight overtime game uh, you know, this was obviously a lot more high scoring but it is unfortunate uh, t- to give up another one in that magnitude uh, to the division, to a team chasing you in the division um, I didn't know that stat about a uh, goaltender record though if, if you think about that you know, someone gets yanked whatever the score is you're yeah. down by a lot goal comes in only lets lets in one goal your offense goes on a run ties the game and you let in that one yeah. goal and you're, <laughs> and you're soaking that loss yeah. so that's kind of i mean i've never heard of that i never knew that but that's yeah. interesting to to hear
0: um and even more interesting i thought even the way that the game ended up playing out was that um you know that shorthanded goal put uh, or sorry the empty net goal put new england up uh, what would it have been, 15-12 at that point. So it was 14-12, and that empty netter came with a minute 43 left, which immediately got the old, you know, the wheels turning is, do you hang on to that ball and burn some more clock up by two goals and under two minutes to go, or do you sink the empty netter? So yeah. in this case, hey, great job, Sheldon Burns. <laughs> Way to go. You took the shot. The empty net goal stands up as the winner. However... Your thoughts? What are you doing if you're out there on the floor with that amount of time left on the game clock and up by two goals? Are you, are you running out the clock? I mean, this all I think probably depends on coach's strategy and whatever. For and sure. It's really probably not entirely in the hands of the player at that point. Um, but what's your for sure? And what, what's your What, gut what was the time on
1: that? The, one, four,
0: 143 left when Burns scored.
1: So one forty three. So
0: I think he probably could have burned. And this might be pulling a number out of the air, but I would say somewhere between 15 and 20 more seconds another. off the game clock. So
1: Toronto's yeah. getting the ball back roughly 120. Yeah, and you're I up, would say that's – you're up yeah. to
0: – I think
1: – well – I think a
0: face-off win against Jay Thornburg. Yeah, for sure. So right, I,
1: which is another – Personally, yeah, I think I would uh, – I mean, it's tough. You, you, you're up by two. Do you rely on your defense for – one, maybe two stops you need to really, because yeah. you're getting a 30 back as well. There's a lot after. of
0: time left still though, right? I mean, it, it's we'll, more than it's pretty well a three possession games still with 120, maybe even more. And so I, so I think
1: if I, I think I do put that in the empty netter and rely on one yeah. of the better face-off guys in the league, and it's a good thing he did put it in the empty net, because, <laughs> and with, something we talked about, there's something about Reed Reinhold, who just has a knack for scoring these incredible, you know, whether goals... In the last couple minutes of a game or a quarter, yeah. I don't know how. He just seems to step up huge in those situations. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, teams are locking off on the, the Schreiber's, the LeBlanc's, the maybe, maybe the more go-to guys on the team. Opens up some space for him, but uh, incredible for the, you know them to even – and he had a shot to tie it up with what? Goalmouth yeah. scramble with, what, 10 seconds left yeah. there, too? Oh, yeah. Had a shot, and you, like you even said, you you felt that was dropping. Yeah, well, I mean, the way he
0: picked it up, but I mean, he, to talk a little bit more about Rhino, we got the Georgia game. We have the three goals late here in the New England game, but even look back to the home opener, he kind of scored what I, if my memory is correct, a bit of a, an insurance marker there against Saskatchewan, huge. too late, like a huge goal. So he, uh, for whatever reason, maybe just engrave it in his head that even from when the ball drops, like this is a key moment in the game. <laughs> yeah, <we gotta laughs> <You know? laughs> Cause it seems like when the, when it's on the line, right. Like, you know, that's my notes here is, you know, Reinhold, Mr. Money. Like he's, he's been absolute money for the rock when they've needed a guy to put the ball on the net this year um, at a key time. So, Whatever it is, keep doing it. I'm sure the coaching staff would like to see a little bit more of it at other, in other parts of the game rather than just uh, at, at those clutch times. But if you got to pick clutch or nothing, I think you're picking clutch right now, For and it's, sure. it's been a big uh, reason in a couple of rock wins, and then also in this in this near comeback. So. Looking bringing down the offense, the other thing I kinda wanted to talk about was just, you know, the, the lefties obviously come up big. Kieran McArdle, Steph LeBlanc, Reed Reinhold, all with three goals apiece. That's nine of the fourteen goals from the rights. Tom Schreiber with four, Brett Hickey with just one, Casey Bearns with none. Turner Evans, we should note, the other offensive uh player in the mix there at five assists. So no transition goals, but they still got to fourteen. So you know in my mind you come down to obviously I think the defense didn't get the stops when necessary especially in the second half uh the goaltending Rosie was uh 24 saves on 35 shots in the 44 17 that he played Brandon Miller came in to allow three goals on 10 shots in just over 15 minutes of work but um I don't know the transition game here obviously they didn't bury New England Jay Thornburg got a couple of transition goals goals from a guy especially you're not expecting to bury two goals and they were nice nice finishes basically on breakaways um i i don't know what the answer is here for the difference in this game other than uh they just needed to stop here there and and maybe even a break i think there was a play in the fourth quarter Steph leblanc everybody's seen the hit bill o'brien you know he lit him up there Right at the end of the game But there was a play I think it was about a minute earlier I think closer to the rock bench And from my perspective I haven't rewatched the play But watching it live um, I think the initial reaction was Well LeBlanc got smoked Previously to the big hit That everybody's watched But I thought uh, it probably, I guess it was more than a minute earlier Now they think about a couple minutes earlier But I, I think there should have been a penalty there It looked like to me O'Brien tripped LeBlanc and then New England went down and scored on the ensuing possession. So, um that was another one where I thought maybe the the rock deserved a little better a little better luck, but you know what, there's for every one of those ones that sticks out for a rock fan, there's probably three or four that stick out for a New England fan. So, um long story short here. I I think it was just a game of, you know, much like the first meeting, this one really could have gone either way obviously in the end and it was just Toronto did not get the break they needed to to get the win
1: no for sure and I mean I think over the course you mentioned that Steph you know the, the luck play there so I think from my from what I've seen in watching sports and playing sports over over the course of a year those things do tend to balance out and uh you know so if you could say Toronto's down one maybe we're expecting one in the next you know coming games here that will that will even that out but uh, yeah Personally, though, maybe it's just because I'm an offensive guy. On the on a back-to-back, tough weekend, I guess, two games in one weekend, sorry, not a back-to-back, I think I'd be pretty happy with the offense at 14, though. Yeah. Going in there and, and, and snagging 14, and, I mean, say what you want, but I'm not saying they played they play bad. That was just the kind of game it went defensively. Rosie was a little off, and that's going to happen. But just purely talking offense, I think that was – you know, good. Like that's what you wanted. That's what you wanted from from the group that was out there.
0: And I think the only thing you could say is that you got to 14, but like we say, momentum runs, all that kind of stuff. I think it would have been a lot nicer to not be chasing the game the whole night. And if some of those goals would have came earlier in the game, obviously it would have made things uh, perhaps a little bit tighter uh, in a, in a good way. I guess you could say that uh, maybe the rock could have been the ones with the lead at the end rather than the other way around but uh you know I think full marks to this team for showing some character that after this tremendously and crazy long road trip of having to fly from Toronto to Vancouver and then Vancouver to Newark and bus from Newark to Uncasville Connecticut get in Saturday night after being delayed leaving on Saturday morning from Vancouver because there was only one baggage check open so the flight left about an hour and a half late um not an ideal travel day at all probably one of the longest that uh, any of these guys will ever have to endure in their NLL career but you know these guys still showed up when it mattered at the end which I think is a huge positive and now you look back at you know the team is eight and seven you've got two overtime losses you have a one goal regulation loss against Rochester and now another one goal regulation loss against New England that's four games that really sit in the balance there that you know obviously you get them all and everybody can do the quick math here you're 12 and three and laughing right now but um you know a a young team there's going to be some growing pains, some speed bumps and i think uh you know the uh the turkey's still on the table here and there's an opportunity for this team to you know win two or three of their final three games here and who knows i mean first place still mathematically we're, we're still we're still alive here but there is also a scenario that exists that this team won't make the playoffs so it's it's going to be a wild last few weeks for sure but
1: and even you know big picture on the season even if you wanted to break it down into big picture on the last two weekends we went in saying there's four games in 10 days here with a lot of travel dating back to even the georgia vancouver yep. weekend right and i know obviously every you want to win every game you want to go four and zero. But I think off air we sat here and said if we can somehow get you know three and one, two and two out of these four games realistically, we're still going to be set up in good shape after the toughest part of our schedule in house here. Um, And you know obviously two and you do want to be a little better in two and two depending on how the weekend went, but realistically still second place in the East, still mathematically first place available as you mentioned, still you know you, you got to win your last three games out here still control your fate with regards to a playoff spot and you know after last year i think that's a that's a great spot to be in absolutely can't
0: uh, can't agree with you more there so we'll uh, we've got lots to talk about here still to come uh, in the back half of the show we've also got toronto rock captain brody merrill who will be joining us uh, coming up in just a minute and uh, we're gonna talk a little uh, Yeah, a little rookie record action as uh, Tom Schreiber has himself another big week. And we'll uh, try to put all that in perspective for you as to how that stacks up, not only in terms of Rock all-time marks, but also League all-time marks as he is uh, closing in on a few records here. So we'll take a short break. We'll welcome in Toronto Rock captain Brody Merrill in a moment. And we'll be back with more Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis as we're getting you caught up on everything going on with the Toronto Rock and at this time we will welcome in studio our first guest of the show, our only guest on the show this week, the captain of the Toronto Rock, Brody Merrill. Brody, how are you doing? I'm doing
2: well, I'm doing well, thanks for having me on.
0: So uh, this is your first season as captain with the Toronto Rock, uh, you've been captain elsewhere in the National Lacrosse League through your career. Um, maybe your experiences so far and uh, has it been everything that you expected here being the captain of the Trauma Rock?
2: Yeah I haven't really felt like much has changed um, just in my overall approach and and um, you know I, I think some added responsibility for sure in certain areas but um, I think that was one thing that uh, you know I wanted to do uh, heading into the year is just to kind of be myself and and uh, you know try to lead by example and So to be honest, not not a lot has changed, and um, you know, for with a younger team and uh, you know, a lot of younger guys in our lineup, I feel like we got a really good mix of uh, some veterans too and guys that have been around. So it's uh, it's been uh, pretty seamless.
0: Now a little bit different, probably here, assuming the mantle. In Toronto from Colin Doyle, than elsewhere in your uh, in your career in the NLL when you've taken over as the captain of the team, did that present any any other challenges for you at all, or was it uh, like you say kind of more business as usual being here previously as well?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know I I was thinking about that, and um, you know maybe earlier in my career it it would have you know probably would have felt a little bit more pressure with it, but I think that's. and maybe the intention of the coach is, uh, is uh, you know, have, have someone that uh, has experience and, and has been, you know, been around the league a long time and, and been in the position before. So, um, you know, to me, it was just more of an honor and, and knowing Colin, uh, you know, on a personal level, it was more just, uh, you know, even made that honor even more special.
1: Brody, wanted to dive into a bit this past weekend. There, obviously, two two tough losses for the uh, for the Toronto Rock Lacrosse Club. There, uh, thoughts on the weekend, and specifically as the captain with a younger team, as you mentioned, we were we were talking earlier on the show. You know, Vancouver goes on a seven zero run Friday night. Georgia, or sorry, New England, a six one run Sunday. What's the mood on the bench? Um, you know, in terms of trying to stop that. Uh, what's your approach with the younger guys in terms of trying to make sure you know even keel and knock it down on themselves, so that just doesn't keep spiraling.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an emotional game, and and when you have those kind of swings, it's uh, easy to kind of get, um, kind of ride those waves, and and so you want to try to, um, you know, stay the course, be consistent every shift, and, uh, you know, it's never one thing, too. I mean, I I think, um, you know, when you kind of look at those two games, you don't necessarily feel it that much in the moment on the bench um you know i think uh you know there's there's typically when those runs happen there's penalties there's transition and uh so you you just want to you know try to um slow the game down a little bit when those when those runs happen and control the ball and control possession and and uh and, and but also just stay the course and stick with it and not uh not get too emotional about it uh easier said than done though and uh um, so I, I think overall, like um, both games, I think a good lesson for us. And, and uh, you know, I think um, especially for our younger players to experience that. And I think, you know, we can all look back and reflect uh, on some areas where we, where we need to get better, especially at some key times. Um, you know, there's, there's, I think back to Vancouver, there was one or two plays that didn't seem that important in the moment. But when you reflect on it, uh, after the game, um, you know they they end up being the difference, and uh, so you just got to have that mentality every shift.
1: Yeah, for sure. And wanted to, uh, you're obviously bit heavily involved in the field across game as well. With the, you know your your resume speaks for itself. Wanted to get your opinion on the uh, the so called American experience that. Experiment that's taking place here, and we, you know, we were talking about Tom Schreiber having a, a massive weekend, and Kieran McCartles chipped in well a lot as well. And just your thoughts on, uh, you know, how they've adjusted to the game and where they, you know, started from in training camp to where they're at now.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been really impressive. Um, I, I think uh, they're having the success they are because they're like committed to it, and they uh, they're smart guys, and um, they want to do well. They seem to make these, uh, you know. Incremental improvements and like subtle adjustments almost every time out, and uh, you know, like at different points, like even with Tom, he had a, he had a huge weekend. Like there was a stretch in the uh, in the New England game where he really hit his stride, and he was, um, you know, you can. It's really fun to see it kind of come together for him. And then uh, Kieran, kind of the same thing. I, I thought like he he was out of the lineup on Friday night, and then kind of got off to a, a slow start, maybe a little hesitant. Um, but then you know he found his game. He made a big play, and I think that kind of took the pressure off his shoulders a little bit. And then once he started to just play, he was uh, uh, pretty dynamic. So they're great teammates. They they really bought in, and, and uh, you know I, I think they're enjoying themselves, and, and uh, it's exciting to see because I think they're gonna they're you know they're gonna keep growing and keep improving.
0: Now you were involved in uh, in one way or another in getting these guys to come to Toronto. Um, what was it? Uh, you know, did this was this something that popped into your head? Was it a bug that was put in your ear by somebody else? How did how did some of this get started?
2: Yeah, no, I, I um, well, I knew with with Robbie Hellier being out this year, there was um, you know uh, there there was an opening there and. and uh, um, you know, I, I played against both them for the last few years, and in, in in the field game, and and uh, just were really impressed by them, and just how they played, and how hard they played, and um, you, you kind of hear lacrosse is a small world. You always hear how guys are, um, you know, within the within the team, and and you know their their character, guys, and and uh, and you can kind of just see some things in their game that would. Uh, you know you would think that would translate well to the to the indoor game so I kind of put the bug in in Josh and Jamie's ear early and they were both you know really receptive to it and and uh you know like it was um and and for those guys too it's it was a big leap of faith for them to come up here and to to experience this and step outside their comfort zone you know two guys that are very well established in the field game and and uh, to kind of uh, put themselves in this position, I give them a lot of credit. and uh, um, so it's been really cool to see and uh, all, you know all the guys love having them up here and, and they fit in really well.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm sure it's also been a, a huge advantage for these guys to be able to come up to practice, I think is probably a big thing that's also helped them with the transition. But uh, you know you're you're very in touch, obviously very active in the in the game in the United States. What have you seen already, and what feedback have you heard from people that you know down there that are kind of noticing what these guys are doing in the NLL?
2: It, it's uh, it's great for our league to have them up here and uh, and playing in the NLL because uh, I think it's making a big impact. I think that. Uh, you know, for one, other other uh, higher-profile American players, I think are taking notice too, and um, and you want that you want uh, to engage more of those players, and and um, but I think uh, like you can you can see it even at the at the grassroots level, you're starting to see the indoor game um, become more popular in the U.S. Uh, in terms of more more younger lacrosse players participating and um you know they, guys like like tom and Kieran just give that you know kind of instant credibility and and uh you know i, I think it's uh, drawing a lot of positive uh, attention to uh to our team and the league
0: now to shift gears back to uh, this past weekend you did mention uh Emotions, and we did see the emotions kind of boil over a little bit on Friday night uh, when you got tangled up with Matt Beers. And and we've talked about this a little bit about just when when is the right time to provide that spark, whether it be a fight or, or something else, a hit, uh, you know, some kind of big play, right, to change things up. But um, was that a matter of addressing a hit earlier in the game where, you know, Matt Beers got a good lick on Casey Behrens after you had passed Casey the ball there in that situation? Or was it... Something else that happened in the game, or was it a, a an opportunity in the game where you saw it to give the team a bit of a spark? Maybe yeah. fill us in on what happened. Yeah, it was kind of
2: initially, for, for, you know, kind of a reaction um, from the, from a hit earlier in the game on Casey, a guy, you know, a veteran guy on our team, a guy that's you know a leader and really well respected. And and uh, you know, in hindsight, I, I regret even put him in that position with the pass uh, that I made to him. So. Um, yeah, I just felt like we kind of needed a response, and and uh, you know, it's not, again, it's there's so many kind of little layers within the game that that happen that uh, um, when those things, you know, those things can kind of come to a head, and uh, what you did uh, at that time.
0: And another thing you mentioned there, and and we've kind of talked about it as well, is some of these young guys going through these situations for the first time, and I'd be interested to get your take on just what you've seen from these guys from a reed reinholdt being a clutch guy suddenly in his first year in the league and being able to score goals at, at big times like we saw in new england like we saw against georgia and even against saskatchewan in the home opener um a guy like latrell harris who's out there playing side by side with you it seems like in key situations late in games when you need a stop um these guys are getting thrust into primetime roles here six rookies in the lineup on the roster you know it's uh it's been pretty incredible to see what these young guys have done
2: yeah you almost had to remind yourself and have some perspective on that because and and this has been the case like uh from the beginning of training camp like uh you can see that they're they're ready and they're they're kind of you know mature beyond their years uh when it comes to playing at this level and and uh so i think it's it's uh, injected you know a lot of like uh, positive energy and life into our team too, having that youth. Um, but uh, the they, um, what's not typical is you know guys like like Challen and Latrell and and Reed and, and kind of the list goes on. You don't you're not seeing them make too many of those young mistakes, and uh, uh, they're playing within themselves, and they're all humble guys, and and uh, I think it's a really good sign for the team kind of long term um to be able to play these guys in those key situations because uh you know they're having success in those situations and they're gonna without even really knowing it they're 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 learning and and they're growing as players just being in those situations and there's no substitute for experience and 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 time so um i think that uh they're ready now to make an impact and and uh Um, But I think uh, that being said, I think going through it, it it just, uh, you know, I think it's going to serve the team well for the long term.
0: And something else we've kind of talked about too is just how you've got, you know, six rookies on the roster, and that doesn't mention, you know, Mikey McDonald, who would only played one game in the league before, and uh, Phil Caputo is on the practice roster, but, you know, has just gotten into action. Connor Busick, who, you know, another guy who's now on the holdout list but has only played one game now this year, but played well when he got in there. But the fact that these guys are getting to all go through this together, I feel like, you know, maybe it's just a random thought I'm pulling out of the air here, but I I feel like that has to have almost helped rather than being that one guy with you know 17 or 18 other veteran players in the room and you're sitting there that one yeah. <laughs> the one rookie going in there going jesus i can't make a mistake tonight or i'm going to yeah. be out of the lineup or you know
2: no doubt for sure i think they can kind of grow up uh together and uh you can see them they um you know uh, they hang out a lot uh, you know not just uh, on the floor but off the floor as well and and uh you know, that overall chemistry is good and uh um yeah I think you know it's exciting you know I'm uh, obviously an older player in the league but you can kind of start to see see those early signs and I think the uh you know the coaches and management have done a great job of just uh bringing in those guys like a Phil Caputo who um you know uh we signed as a free agent uh he's gotten into a few games and has done really well in those games but you can also see wow he's in his early 20s he's uh you know he's got a ton of potential and um so yeah I think it's great just overall you know organizational depth and and uh guys that are able to step in and you know make contributions but you know guys that can be core guys in this organization for a long time Mm -hmm. so that's encouraging
1: and just looking ahead down the you know the stretch here the remainder of the season obviously a bye week this weekend but if you rewind 365 days ago the playoffs weren't really a question for the Toronto Rock and now fast forward to where we are today eight and seven second in the in the division and really have the ability to handle your own you know where you guys go uh with your performance down the stretch here and how, how important is that for you and you know how excited is the team to to be in that position
2: yeah I mean when when you go through a season like last year it does give you that uh, perspective it gives you that uh, appreciation for being in the position that we are in now and and uh you know, it, it was it was tough to go through. Uh, you know, all, all all the injuries and and uh, just the nature of the season last year. Um, you know, but uh, you kind of learn from those experiences and and uh, uh, you don't dwell on them too much. And uh, but I, I, yeah, I was thinking about that just coming off a tough weekend. And uh, I think you know, um, and Matt our uh, our coach reminded us of that as. Uh, you know, we're in a good position, and um, it's a really tight league. It's, um, you definitely see Saskatchewan and, and Georgia, to an extent, have kind of separated themselves, um, but the rest of the league is, is very even. It's very uh, The way we see it, it's very wide open, and uh, so we're in a good position, and, and uh, uh, we, we, you know, we want to set ourselves up here for uh, uh, the home stretch here and really finish strong and, and hopefully, you know, start the peak at the right time.
0: Alrighty, well, Brody, uh, we know you got some work to do. It's a bye week, but uh, we know you're going to be uh, going and popping in the gym and uh, getting a workout in here, even though we got no practice tonight, but uh, still some work to do. So thanks a lot for stopping by, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again before the end of the season.
2: Okay, guys, thanks a lot.
0: Alright, that was Toronto Rock captain Brody Merrill. We will take a short break and we'll be back to wrap up Toronto Rock Total Access in a moment.
2: Like the legend of the Phoenix.
0: Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, bringing the show home. We have to thank Brody Merrill for stopping by as well. Uh, So we've got uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Tom Schreiber, kind of the uh, the silver lining, maybe from the weekend for the Toronto Rock. He ends up breaking the Rock rookie assist record that was held uh, co-held. By Garrett Billings and Blaine Manning. Billings in 2010. Manning in 2002 of 50. Schreiber is at 52 in 15 games played. And this was kind of the thing I wanted to talk about was the 16-game versus the 18-game season and how the record book in the NLL, it, it doesn't have asterisks all over it, but in some ways I think maybe it should. In some ways, I don't, I don't know. Your your thoughts on that? Is the 18-16? It is two more games. when you think about... Schreiber's got a chance to break the Rock points record for rookies, which was set by Garrett Billings in 2010 of 83 in a 16-game season. So Schreiber's had 80 points in 15 games. So I think that's going to be a legit record break. His assist record, legit record break. The 28 goals, LeBlanc had 36 in a 16-game season in 2010. Schreiber's got to put up quick math 9 goals 9 goals here
1: in 3 games
0: in in one oh to, for me to to, to, to truly it to break it right yeah. so that's where you can chime in now what do you think 16 versus 18 does it matter or is it you know
1: yeah I, I i don't know the right way to do it i think there should maybe be some sort of asterisk or some sort of mention in in the record book personally because or or do you do it on a you know a a goals per game or yeah. I, I right like oh, over 16 it'd be something whatever and the over 18 would be different but it, it's tough because what you know you could argue leblanc at 36 and 16 in his rookie year goals wise maybe that's 40 maybe it's 42 in yeah. 18 and i don't know if shriver's going from 28 to 42 in 18 yeah that's cool well <laughs> we hope yeah, so that would be yeah that that'd be, be quite a, a couple jump. games though right like uh it is tough. I mean, obviously the 52 that's great and anytime there is a record broken, you got to you still got to tip your hat to it and like you said, this one is legitimate for you as well being in 15 games and I wonder what Blaine's thinking on the bench there as a coach watching his record get broken. <laughs> you think he's putting the reins like, on r- tracks, right, maybe you right think? in front of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, no, obviously they're all on the same team and if he's breaking records, that's mean he's doing well and the yep. team must be doing well as well. Right, But uh, yeah, huge weekend for Schreiber and it's I still look back to it's crazy where this started with him and, and McCarle's been been good as well and into where Tom's came to now and we're talking yeah. about him breaking a record here. Yeah. It, it is absolutely wild to think because I can remember the
0: first time the two were on the floor here before training camp even started with Josh Sanderson and Blaine Manning throwing the ball around, and, you know, we're all very interested. We're watching, and, you know, they're, you know, running a couple little pick-and-rolls and and stuff like that and just shooting, you know what I mean, and trying to get a feel for things. And it was interesting there because, I'll be honest, my thought there after that very first session was McArdle seemed to pick things up a little quicker. And, wow, could he ever shoot the ball. And then as training camp went on, it was kind of like from week to week, I felt like, you know, oh, maybe maybe Schreiber's kind of taking. the the lead here between the two. Oh, maybe McArdle is, you know, showing a little bit here. And then, you know, I think by the end of camp, I think it was becoming a little bit more clear that Schreiber was probably going to make the quicker adjustment of of the two. And then, you know, obviously we've seen him just uh, absolutely explode here. So the other record that he is on the verge of breaking is the actual rookie, the league scoring record, the rookie scoring record. NLL rookie scoring record. 95 points by Randy Stotts last year. Now, previous to that, with some quick research, and <clears throat> if anybody fi- figures out this is wrong, please tell us, but Reese Dutch had 89 points in 2009 in a 16-game season. So, possible that Schreiber could hit 89 points here after 16 games if he has a big one on the April 14th. Very likely that he breaks the league record of 95 points, which was, of course, set in an 18-game season, but overall stands as the league rookie scoring record that Randy Stott set last year, which I think, again, if we go back to December and late November when when these guys first started coming in the mix, I don't think, if you were like, Tom Schreiber's going to bury 100 points this year, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, you <he> would, <laughs> to be honest. Somebody
0: would have been taking the, uh, the bet on the other side of that, I think.
1: And... You know, no disrespect to to him at all, probably myself included because you would have been convincing me a guy who's never played box across in his life was going to come down here and we're gonna be talking about a hundred points in a yeah. rookie record here I, I would have liked the money on the other side, but he's like he said proven us wrong all year and he yeah. just continues to to do like he dominated though his week like points wise he had another massive weekend over the two games and that's why yeah. he's in this conversation and we're talking about him and and it's great for the Rock. It's great for, I, I mean, I, I'd have to think even just lacrosse in general and, you know, people who follow Tom, Tom down in the States and just field lacrosse game to hear. Yep. You know, I guarantee it's getting talked about down there, what this American's doing up here for the Toronto Rock. And it's got to be creating a little bit of a buzz. And I think that's, you know, that's what you want with the sport.
0: Yeah, and it still goes back to something I think we talked about uh, early in the season when we started to see some of the success was that who's going to be the next Tom Schreiber? Right? Who Who is going to be the next guy? Because teams have to be looking for it now. I mean, the fact that essentially the Toronto Rock have discovered a 100-point guy potentially here, 90-plus, I think we can be pretty safe with, but a potential 100-point guy, you know, you don't want to say off the couch necessarily here, but, <laughs> no. but out of nowhere. You know, like no draft pick, free agent signing. Sure, he's got great pedigree and, uh, you know, a great – lacrosse IQ in general coming into this but the box game obviously something very different and traditionally it hasn't been an easy transition it's it's one here one there you know how long do they they play some guys leave the game for a while we saw Casey Powell be very good in the the late 90s early 2000s and, and take some breaks in there come back win an MVP later on you know he's but you know there hasn't been a ton of guys that have been hundred point guys you know or mvps and you know tom schreiber is definitely going to if he can top the hundred point mark he's going to have to be in the mvp conversation as well this year
1: yeah it would not be something because you know you're looking at he's probably a you're looking at probably i don't want to get ahead of myself here but probably a lock for rookie of the year i would think so it's yeah, like pretty it, safe yeah. i would think that's <laughs> pretty safe and then you know to be in the rookie. Get a rookie of the year and be in an MVP conversation, that's like that's wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and and I mean you look down the list of possible awards that could be coming this way for for the Rock. I mean, you can start almost, you know, general manager of the year. Jamie Dowick has to be a front runner there with the with the remake of this team. Six rookies in the lineup right now, which kind of leads you right into the next one of possible coach of the year with Matt Sawyer going from five and thirteen to Hopefully back to the playoffs, but also the success that he's been able to have with so many rookies in the lineup, and you know, a, not a new, totally new core of the team, but also having to deal with no Rob Hellier this year. You look at uh, Nick Rose, who, as we record the show, is a guy who's making his way around the office here, doing his uh, rounds. But um, it's pretty much to me, it's him or Dylan Ward for goalie of the year. Um, so and then you got Schreiber as a pretty well locked for rookie of the year, he's got to be in the conversation for MVP. So it could be, uh, you don't want to say a clean sweep of all the big ones here, but this could be a massive, massive year for the Toronto Rock in terms of the hardware category. And hopefully, that's something that rolls into the playoffs and, uh, and hopefully a deep run as well. But, uh, just thought we'd uh, dive into the rookie stuff a little bit and, and just where some guys sit so far and uh what we've got to to look ahead to here down the season beyond just the standings which uh you know there's a million scenarios here that that still exist but you know the the truth here is that georgia has played 13 games you know they've got nine wins they're a win ahead of the rock but you know those couple games in hands who who know those two games in hand could end up being losses you know and this weekend isn't a super busy weekend uh, Georgia is at New England and Buffalo is at Calgary in terms of uh, East division implications. So not not a super busy weekend, but at the same time with so much head-to-head still to go in the division, divisional games in general, um, this is still so far up up for grabs. It's, uh, it's going to be an incredibly exciting finish here.
1: For sure. And I did, when you say Georgia's gone New England here, what uh, off the top of your... You know, had what are you what are you looking for? A Georgia win to, for let them kind of I guess separate a bit, but keep New England at bay, or a New England win, and let us you know still be in the mix with Georgia there for a bit. You know, because like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Essentially here with this game, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, best case scenario, you know, if the Rock can uh, can win out here or come close to it, go. Uh, I mean, I guess even two and one. Would put the the Rock at ten and eight, and Georgia losing out um, would allow the Rock to win the division by a game. But realistically, I think you're going to have to hope for Toronto to win out, and and still hope for some help there if you're talking about first place, which to me is the extreme scenario that exists. So, yeah, the real answer to your question here is I think you're cheering for for Georgia for Georgia to beat New England this weekend to give yourself uh, to basically. Tack another loss into the loss column for New England too, because with the tiebreaker in New England's favor right now, you obviously cannot hope to end up tied for second
1: place. so for um, sure. And I, I mean it's kind of tough for me to sit here today and say it after New England's beat us twice, but I mean just from what I've experienced and, and watching and even the way the games have gone, I think it's very tough to beat a team three times in a row, period. And you know, especially if we can hang on to second, that's beating us in our own barn again. And I'm, I'm yeah. talking Georgia, Toronto here, a potential, you know, playoff matchup. I know it's hypothetical, but uh, since we're on like that kind of, that's kind of where we went down here. Um, so I'd personally, I'd be in favor of that matchup personally. I know that like people are going to be saying what they they beat us twice this year, what? But I I wouldn't hate that at all from a Toronto Rock perspective.
0: Yeah, and I think uh so going back to first of all the the weekend, I mean if Georgia can beat New England, then Toronto one hundred percent controls their own destiny here in terms of hosting Second. hosting a playoff game and also uh still with the door slightly open for first place, as the Rock can still finish with eleven wins. So um I think everybody here has got to be cheering for Georgia this this weekend to to beat New England. Uh, If Calgary can beat Buffalo, obviously that's uh, another step in the right direction and would set up a clinching situation for the Rock on April the 14th as well with a win over Buffalo because that would send the Bandits to 10 losses and the Rock would be at nine wins with a head-to-head victory over Buffalo, which means that Buffalo could not go past Rochester and the Rock have the tiebreaker with Rochester. So, or Sorry, what did I just say there? (laughs) Buffalo. (laughs) These scenarios. These scenarios buffalo could not go by the rock sorry and then rochester with uh nine losses and the rock with the head-to-head tiebreaker would uh toronto would have the advantage over rochester as well it's very confusing here we go over these scenarios 20 times a day here trying to plan so it's uh it's always fun conversation but um so that that about wraps things up for chatting about the standings because i think if we talk anymore about it we'll uh We'll be losing our minds with all the scenarios that yeah, still exist, it's so.
1: we have, we have fun with it but at least we're here talking about it last year this wasn't a conversation at all we, we couldn't be breaking no. we couldn't be break we're breaking down other team scenarios just because we're <laughs> lacrosse fans yeah and just curious around the league but yeah. right and uh, this, so it's good to be we're in a good spot here and you know we've got a, a bye week to rest up and get back at it with a division rifle against buffalo
0: yeah and it's a fun time and obviously potential for uh, a wild uh, run here down the stretch so it is time, ladies and gentlemen, to come back. Welcome back. Short-term, long-term trade. We've got three goalies on the board today for Kyle Davis. Ty Belanger, former team manager, with the Brampton Excelsiors in the Junior A days. Frankie Shiliano and David Deruccio. And the reason why we talked about these three, you know, Tyler Belanger has already kind of uh, taken over the mantle in Vancouver for uh, Tyler Richards. Chiliano replaced Poulin this year, left as a free agent uh, to go to Georgia, and Derugio appears to be on the cusp of, uh, you know, sometime soon, officially taking the tor- torch from Anthony Cosmos. So, short-term, long-term trade, Ty Belanger, Frankie Shiliano, David Derugio, you're up.
1: In that order there that you brought the names to, to the table here, I'm going to start with Ty Belanger, and, uh, I'm gonna keep him short term. I think he's showing his ability this year to string a couple games together that are kind of out of worldly picking up wins that I didn't expect Vancouver to get. And I think there there's more to, more to the game, but he was he was a big part of those. Um, we saw you know he picked up a win against us Friday. You can't you can't disregard it, regardless what Toronto yep. you know did or didn't do. So I think short term uh, you know he's showing he can he can. Be a very capable NOL goaltender, but uh, just you don't know, want to see a little more consistency and over a full a full season. And you know, but uh, long term, I think I'm going to take Frankie Chiliano there in Calgary. Um, I liked what I saw from him when Calgary was here when they uh, when they were playing down here. He's a big body. I think he had a pretty good stick, if I from what I recall there. And uh, I just think he's. You know with them trading pool they must have felt confident as well in his ability to legit be a number one goalie where you know i could for instance cosmo still there with derugio who they didn't trade cosmo maybe it's because you know obviously they still feel confident in cosmo but or they're not quite as confident in derugio i don't know exactly but that leads me to my you know keeping shiliano long term and then ultimately the process of elimination i'm going to trade derugio I mean, albeit the last memory I have of him was in Toronto when both goalies Cosmo and DeRugio both got shelled. <laughs> so, I mean, lately right. he's not uh, at the forefront <coughs> of my mind. But uh, I mean, we'll see. He, I think the time's going to come sooner than later where he's at least going to get a look to to show Buffalo what he can yep. really do. Though with Cosmo getting up there, but uh, you know, this game's <laughs> quite the animal, so I gotta play it. How it lies there, as we've said every week. All right,
0: so Ty Belanger rent an apartment. Frankie Shiliano buy a house. Oh, okay. yep. Derugio rent yeah. rent a hotel room. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Short term, long term trade over and done with there. Uh, tough one this week. We've been coming up with some pretty good ones here, so we think, anyways. All right, so uh, (laughs) to wrap up the show here, our predictions. We're not going to predict yet uh, or or get into this Buffalo game that's still uh, over a week away, but we should say that much like the Toronto Rock, our season records with prediction have dropped to 8-7 after this past weekend, unfortunately. Um, We do have a massive promotion going on, though, this week in terms of tickets for Fan Appreciation Night, which I will let you uh, fill everybody in on.
1: Yeah, great promotion. Uh, you know, giving back to the fans here, a tie-in with the, uh, the Toronto Rock Buy Week. Uh, we are having a buy <laughs> buy one, get one free uh, ticket offer going on. And, uh, you know, the prices vary depending what section you want to sit in, but you can't go wrong with that. We want to show the fans, you know, we do appreciate them coming out throughout the year. Uh, Tickets are moving quick, too, so uh, still great tickets available. And don't hesitate to to go online and fill out a form and get your tickets or call you know, the office here at 416-596-3075, and we'll get you set up with some great tickets. But, I, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much, but this is massive playoff implications next Friday with Buffalo potentially. Division rival, fan appreciation night, tons of giveaways a buy one get one ticket offer like there's really no reason not to be yeah. jumping on this
0: this is the night everybody it's uh friday april the 14th at the <laughs> acc and like kyle said uh you know the rock could be in a position to clinch a playoff spot uh come come the 14th depending on how everything works out so um and a reminder that that ticket offer is only available at torontorock.com slash tickets and
1: like Again, don't if, if you're even on the fence, jump on this because it's a, only a bye week offer. This uh, this offer is done Friday, so if you wait past Friday, you're going to be back in that, you know a, a different package or or a full price ticket again. Yeah. So jump on it while it's here. righty,
0: sounds good. In the meantime in between time for Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with. We will chat next week. Stop the
2: Stop the run. Stop the run. Can't stop the running. the not stop the run. Can't stop the running.
1: Can't stop the run.